Hey guys, just want to take a quick second to talk to you about Capital One. Capital One knows you've got questions about your credit. You may be asking, who's really in charge of my credit score, or how does my credit actually work? That's why Capital One created the CreditWise app, so you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. And it's free to everyone, Capital One customer or not. In fact, millions of CreditWise users have improved their score by 20 points or more, so download the app for free today. Availability depends on the presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to the Watch Special Year End People of the Year episode. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRigger.com and joining me on the other line, my person of the year every year, it's Andy Greenwald! We did it, man. Another year. And what what a magical year this was. This for is everybody. wonderful. I loved this year. Can I can I jump in and can I say something weird? Sure. Like, is it is it I actually had a pretty good year. It's just that, <laughs> it's just that it's just that it's just that planet Earth didn't. Yeah. So it, it was a, it was it was kind of a tougher ride. Well, you know? I'm glad it worked out like for I, you. I mean, a, that's super. Uh, Andy, I hate to be that guy. <laughs> every year we do uh, this episode, which we call internally, and we we also <clears throat> refer to it as such on the pod as the wall. So imagine right. Andy and I had a Hall of Fame museum, uh, a la Cooperstown for pop culture, mm-hmm. and we just mm-hmm. put people who we loved, uh, people who made us really uh, gave us a lot of joy over the course of the year. We put their faces on a imaginary wall. Um, I, Andy asked me a very good question the other day, which was, "Who are some of our previous inductees?" And <laughs> I don't remember. I do know well, that they include many, many cast members from the Bourne franchise and yeah, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. But other than yeah, that, here, I'll leave it to here's what I wanted to say: old school it. watch Hollywood like, prospectus scholars. Yeah, because we've done this before, because we definitely said this casually for a while. Then I think last year was the first year that we really officially did it and then promptly forgot. But we meant it when we said it, first of all. I think that when you are put on the wall, you stay on the wall unless you go to Trump Tower to meet with the president-elect, in which case you're you're, you're in the system pending review. (laughs) But other than that, the the whole thing that you're describing... Oh my God! He needs help. I can't even. Well, I can't this, even joke. This is going to go up but, in a couple of weeks, so we don't even know. From from all we know, this this could be like a secret mole operation on his part. But we don't want to get bogged down in politics. Let's get. No, what, what I want to say instead is just picture that we have this wall. It's a perfect wall and a structure. It was designed by Jeremy Renner, who is a hall of wall of famer, basically a, a structure hall Reese of famer. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon is there. Joan Allen is there. Um, Pusha T. Basically, all the people we love. Uh, and this year, we each chose four new bright, shining stars to hang on the wall. And you're going to go first, right? Yeah. Okay. So I gave myself... Well, here's the thing. Reverse engineer it. Once I came up with my list, it's eight people for each. And once I came up with my list of four, I realized that the thing I was awarding a lot of uh, this year was um, double duty. Anybody who did more than one thing that I really enjoyed mm. got special consideration, and that's really okay. uh, the, the, the top here. And to start off with, I would love to induct an actress that was never really a favorite, of, a personal favorite of mine. I have nothing but respect for her talent, but up until this year, I never like adored her. But shout out to Amy Adams, man. In wow. two of my See- favorite films from this year... Arrival and Nocturnal Animals, and she could not be more different. It was a real, like, incredible um, example of like her range as an actress. And in Arrival, she plays this scientist who's responsible for communicating with 
these newly arrived alien life forms who are trying to uh, just just hook it up for us, you know. Now that's a proper introduction. They just want to tell us some secrets, but nobody know nobody speaks the language except for Amy Adams. And then in Nocturnal Animals, she has the very difficult part of pretty much just reading a book for an entire movie yeah. and wearing dope glasses. And she somehow pulls it off, and she has incredible hair in Nocturnal Animals. But in both films, I think she just gives like these incredibly deeply felt uh, portrayals of characters that could not be more different. And I just really adored watching her movies this year. Are you an Amy Adams I, fan? I, no, but I, that's why I was so surprised about this announcement and then was immediately uh, rendered uh, ill-equipped to comment on it because I've not seen either of those movies. You are now, a, a, in my defense. A, a cinephiliac this year, yeah. <laughs> In my defense, I have received the screeners for both, so I look forward to talking with you about them sometime in April. <laughs> you just got to get Side in a plane note, to watch them. I, I just got to get up in the air, man. I just need to go where it's quiet. Okay, um, let's go for your side, first one. Side note. No, no, no. Side note. Oh. I want to do a couple a couple quick Amy Adams points for you. But don't Are you going to ridicule the god S, Amy Adams? No. Listen, this is this is a beautiful thing where we celebrate people. This okay. is a holiday time. I'm I'm just pouring out eggnog here all over you. Listen. <laughs> Nocturnal Animals, I'm excited. I just want to put a pin in that because I do want to talk about it because you talked about it on the pod a couple weeks ago and you raved about it and you got me really hyped to see it and I can't wait to see it. Another friend texted me and said, have you seen Nocturnal Animals yet? And I said, no. And the person didn't like it. And I said, why? And the person said, because the logline of this movie is a woman reads a book, which conversely makes me want to see it even more. That is not now, what happens. Let me, that, that's not an accurate I, reflection. A, it, it, is, it is the framing device for this movie, but yeah. Okay. Here's, here's what I want to ask you about Amy Adams. I... I like you said, I respect Amy Adams' talent. She is a Ben Zobris-type grinder to me who is constantly put in an MVP position. <laughs> she works really hard yeah. in these movies, and I don't mean that as an insult, even though it sounds like one. You know, like in movies ranging from uh, from The Master to Jason Siegel's Muppet movie, like she, you can kind of, the, the, the issue I have with it, it's not a lack of respect. It's that sometimes I feel like you can see the seams of the performance and that takes me out of it. Hmm. But do you feel that she reached a different gear this year? No, I mean, because I think I'm that ready. She's, I'm ready for the Adam Sons. I, I think that it was a matter of uh, the right time and the right material. I mean, like, I just really, uh, I, I really appreciated her performances. Like, in, I think if you're, if you're looking at something like American Hustle in the past, it was like a very showy performance and a very showy movie. Um, yes. I liked her in The Master a lot. I think that that was supposed to be Reese Witherspoon, though, if I remember correctly from like the casting rumors back then. It was actually supposed to be Renner, Hoffman, and Witherspoon, the original iteration of that movie. Right. Which is right. kind of like once you put that in my head, I can't unsee it. Um, mm -mm. You know, but I just think that I just think that she had a great year. And, you know, I, wasn't she in Batman versus Superman, too? Yes, yeah, she plays uh, Lois Lane, yeah, right? So right. She, so yeah, she's she was just in that. she's caking up. I mean, like every she's got it all. Let's go to your first person on the wall. Okay, so I think the person we're going to is it's a good segue because we're talking about people that I may have been mistaken about, and oh, yeah. that is a young gentleman from the seventy from seventy nine named uh, Chance the Rapper. I was completely ignorant of this young man's ability and his talent. And uh, Coloring Book completely blew me away. Well, beginning with his verse in Ultra Light Beam, 
Uh, coloring book blew me away. Um, everything about the way he like the way he talks, the way he talks about music, the way he collaborates with people, the way he put on a festival uh, and didn't even make himself the headliner in Chicago. I just think he's such an exciting artist and he has an ebullience that is contagious. And in this year, the way that he approached making art, contributing to culture, just basically getting to be on the main stage of his life was very inspiring in a year when I feel like um, it was very, very, you wouldn't be blamed if you hid from that spotlight. You know what I mean? And yeah. And he was somebody who... Book again. Yeah. Oh, go, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that Chance also had participated in one of sort of the iconic live performance, televised live performances of the year. Yes. Put on the devil's neck till it drifted Pangea. I'm moving on my family from Chatham to Zambia. Treat the demons just like Pam. I mean, I'm fresh with your fans, but damn, Gina. I've been this way since Arthur was Aunt Eater. Now they want to hit me with the woo up the bam. Trying to snap photos of Fam Leah. My daughter looks just like C. You can't see her. You can feel the yes. lyrics. Yes, and when he did Ultra Light Beam, uh, I mean, when was he on the SNL? Was that last year? And well, that was he, sort of like he, hosted, he, he performed as a musical guest by himself, and then I think he... But I was referring to his, his performance uh, with, uh, with Kanye doing Ultra Light Beam. Yeah, it, it, it's an, it's an, I mean, that verse alone is is there. There aren't that many moments in culture in any year when someone has has you know has their shot and then and then takes full advantage of it the way he did. I was listening to Coloring Book again, which is a very um, beautiful, very in, uh, spiritual record. You know, I, I was said back at the time when it came out that if I was very surprised that anyone would make me want to go to church, let alone a rapper on a mixtape that I had previously dismissed, but he kind of did. I, I have another. Com- compliment for him. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. That I think is almost is almost could sound like an insult, but I don't mean it to be. When you listen to Coloring Book again, like there's an aspect of him that is almost Jimmy Fallon esque. What I mean is, he is such a good host and showman that he just blends into whatever track he's on. Now, if he was a less charismatic artist, then he would, you know, he's just a guy who blends into everyone else's stuff. But when you listen to him. Uh, on All We Got, you know, that is purely him. That is the kind of music he wants to make. When you hear him on No Problem, he experiments with flows that would complement Lil Wayne and 2 Chains. When you hear him on mixtape, he does, you know, he, he's, he's, he sounds like Young Thug. Like, he does a verse that is, dare I say it, Thug-esque. I think it's kind of wild that he can be that chameleonic and still have enough charisma and charm to win out. Yeah, and he definitely, I don't know, he captured something about, like, this past this summer, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought I think it, it there's a little bit of a bittersweet flavor to going back and listening to Coloring Book and and the the hopefulness and joy that's in that record, even if it's just musically, because I know lyrically it delves into like a lot of serious topics. But uh, it's such a good uplifting record. It's sort of it's sort but, of odd to listen to it now. No, but you know, but there's a there's a, there's an element to a lot of the hip hop and R and B that we really championed this year that we talked about when we did a podcast with Lindsay Zoleds from the Ringer um, a little while ago. There is something that is particularly comforting about music that is pitched towards hopefulness and optimism, but tinged with an actually lived in sense of sadness. Yeah. Um, if you were listening to records that were communal and joyful, just purely purely candy. For some of us who, for a lot of us who are very disappointed about the way the rest of the year went, those things would taste very hollow. But, you know, the Tribe Called Quest record would have worked regardless of who won on November 8th because sure. it's, a, it's a record that is that comes out of a place of struggle and the optimism feels hard, hard won and hard fought. And uh, that keeps me listening to it despite my own 
my own darkness. <laughs> um, speaking of darkness, uh, I want to shout out my next person for the wall is yes. um, probably my favorite television actor of the year, I guess, uh, would, would be uh, Riz Ahmed, who's in, Ooh. he is the star of The Night Of, uh, along with John Turturro. Nas? Listen, I'm, I'm at a police station. It's, it's all a mistake. They, they've arrested me. They, they think I did something. Murder. Uh, Night Of was my favorite show of the year. Uh, Riz plays Nas, um, who is a, uh, a young Pakistani-American who is accused of murdering a girl he has a date with, or sort of an impromptu date with when he's driving his father's cab to a party. And the eight-episode miniseries or limited series was just, um, I don't know, I just thought it really just explored the things that I'm most interested in when it comes to uh, television in terms of the way that it spent and lingered on its characters and allowed its char- their char- the characters to develop and evolve um, in this limited amount of time. He gave such a... Um, such an impressive performance. I went back and looked at uh, some of the earlier episodes, you know, because like towards the end, you get so wrapped up in the unsolving, the, the solving of the mystery and the stuff that's happening at Rikers. And you forget the completely different character he plays in the first episode. And it's kind of a testament. And it's sort of weird to put him on for this year because he actually shot that first episode in 2012. So it is a different person. Mm. So to be able to come back to that character and you know sustain sustain it and and grow with it is such an impressive feat. Now we are recording this on a Wednesday before Rogue One comes out. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I really <laughs> also liked Riz Ahmed in Rogue One. You're just going to assume that. Yeah. Now do you which version of the Riz Ahmeds that we know? Right now I feel like those of us who don't know of his his music career know him as Nightcrawler Riz Ahmed the first two episodes of Night of Riz Ahmed or the last half of the season Riz Ahmed? Which, which one was your dream Star Wars? I think it's a little bit more Star first. Wars? I think it, this guy seems a little bit more first few episodes of, of Night of, like a little bit more innocent. But I, I'm not sure. And also the interesting thing with this game, talk about having to deal with a lot of different industry shenanigans going on. I think his character in Rogue One, and we'll, we'll find out later, is one of the main characters who was sort of tweaked in reshoots and mm-hmm. over the course of production that... His character had a different name when he signed on, and that the character had no backstory. And then, then since then, since since his you know the reshoots that happened with Rogue One, his character got expanded a lot more. Um, let's go to your next. I think, I think the thing I just want to jump in on Riz because I think the thing that he also highlights, which I'm glad you're putting up on the wall for the listeners to appreciate and enjoy, is the the joy that we can still get from especially television of seeing someone seemingly come out of nowhere and own something. Yeah. You know, he was the star of this show and I think a lot of people didn't know who he was going in, but he delivered, you know, it's, it's like a, in the sense of like physical transformation, it's a De Niro-esque performance. I mean, it's incredibly charismatic. As you said, he becomes a different person. And I think as movies get more and more blockbustery and frankly, as TV does too, the opportunities to see someone who maybe haven't hasn't gotten the chance to shine, you know, do what I was saying about Chance the Rapper and just grab the mic basically and own it. Um, those moments are fewer and farther between, and they're but they're no less special when they happen. And so I would, in that vein, I would just throw up one of my uh, runners up, which is Sterling K. Brown, who was one of, if not the breakout stars of one of our favorite shows, People vs. OJ. Um, 
because you know who who knew what that guy was capable of until he had a chance to prove it to everyone else. Um, similarly, Courtney B. Vance has had an incredibly long career, but I mean, I don't know if he's ever had a full steak dinner in front of a camera the way he did on that show. So I, I feel like there's room for those guys on the wall of my heart, but I was only given four choices. Yeah, well, do your do your second choice because I think that's another person who came out of nowhere, and it's yes. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Do you know what the lesbian app for Grinder is called? Twat now. Yes, the Queen, Phoebe Waller Bridge. You know, did, have I mentioned that she was a she's a veteran of the Andy Greenwald podcast? Did you know that, Chris? I did know that. Do you, do you subscribe on iTunes I, or Stitcher? It's part of the watch, so I just get it automatically. Yes. Uh, <laughs> by the way, guys, that wasn't an ad read. That that was just natural. Um, Phoebe Waller Bridge is an actor. She's thirty one years old from England. I, I have to be honest; I'd never heard of her until I started watching the Amazon series Fleabag, which she wrote created stars in um it's one of the best tv shows of the year it is absolutely stunning because it's one of those shows where you watch two episodes and you're like i get it i see what this is it is a body slice of life modern sort of the foibles of the romantic woman comedy and it's very funny and she breaks the fourth wall and she's a very engaging and sly performer and then you keep watching it and you keep watching it and your jaw starts dropping and the emoji you use to describe it starts changing dramatically (laughs) and it is a very very dark very wrenching show and she did all of this herself in a way, you know, in a pure autorist way. Not all of herself. She wouldn't say that. I mean, there are great co-stars in it as well. And obviously she has, she has a directing a director and, and people work with her on it. But it is, it is an autorist voice in a way that is really awesome. And all of that, in addition to the fact that Fleabag, which is based on a one-woman show she did. Um, and I, should I say, this is not an ad read either. You can watch all six episodes on Amazon Prime if you got it. Um, she, she did all this... Uh, in the same year that she made a completely other TV show. Which I actually liked quite a bit, Crashing. It's also, Exactly. She made a much more conventional British sitcom called Crashing. Um, and the story behind that being, she, you know, she told the story on the podcast, but I'll do a quick version of it. She wrote the spec script for Crashing a bunch of years ago. The, ch- the channel that bought it, bought it and then put it at the bottom of the pile. When Fleabag started to pop off, the channel that owned Crashing was like, guess what? We're rushing this to series. So she had to write all six episodes of Crashing star in them and then do Fleabag all in one year, which is both a testament to her brilliance and a testament to the insanity of the British television industry. And she capped off the year by announcing her plans to adapt a crime story, a crime novel uh, called Killing Eve, which is basically, at least from the the logline of it, it's about a woman reading a book. Yes. (laughs) No, that's just a callback. I just wanted to get you on board. (laughs) It's daytime animals. No, it, 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 you know, it strikes me as a what we've come to love, the British crime procedural. But in this case, both the cop and the criminal are women. And I'm in. I'm in. I just I love it when these people come out of nowhere, man, and they get a chance to write and show what they got. I'm going st- to I'm going to keep it British. We really we're really Ooh. like we're Brexiting, man. Like, what's up with this? This is uh, I want to I want to shout out. Listen, listen. We we had a stressful year, but they did too. I feel like they need to be on the wall. I want to talk considering about. We're all building walls. I want to talk about the Kyle Schwarber of this shit. The <laughs> dude who just comes off the bench and inspires people, and then is like, "Thanks for playing. I'm out." Is Rafe Fines? <laughs> the looks on your faces. I'm sorry. I should have warned you. Wow, this is a wild choice for 2016. Rafe Fines was in two movies this year. And I think in the sort of, let's say, roughly four-hour-long runtime of 
uh, a bigger splash and Hail Caesar, I think he's on st- on screen for say twenty five minutes. He's in probably in, a, mm-hmm. in a, a lot of bigger splash, but in in Hail Caesar, he's in like two scenes basically. He bring brought me more joy than any other performer in those two scenes. There's a scene in bigger in a bigger splash where he just dances to Emotional Rescue by the Rolling Stones. He had done some production work, I believe, on Tattoo You, and he was talking about his character in the in the movie. If you haven't seen A Bigger Splash, you should really check it out. It's basically a, a sordid thriller set on a Greek island among like a sort of Bowie-esque female rock singer played by Tilda Swinton, who's uh like basically like being reclusive with her beautiful uh recovering addict photographer boyfriend played by Matthias Schoenhartz. And then her ex, a producer played by Ray Fine, shows up with someone he claims is his daughter, played by Dakota Johnson, but they are very close in a mm. way that's sort mm-hmm. of odd. But uh, it's just, it's a great movie. And uh, and so he's in that. He plays this rock producer. He's incredible. It's unlike any performance you really have seen from him, if you're used to him playing this sort of buttoned up British guy. And then in Hail Caesar, he pretty mm-hmm. much plays like this, I don't know, George Cukor uh, style character who's just directing um, comedies of manners and he has to explain to Alden Ehrenreich who's a uh, Texan <laughs> how to say this like British dialogue say, say your line exactly as I'm mm-hmm. about to okay sure would that it were so simple would that it were so simple would that it were so simple would that it were watch my mouth and it is like probably the funniest scene of the year so Ray Fiennes has been a favorite of mine for a long time English patient, constant gardener. I just I love him even as as M or not even M in in the Bond films that he's been in. Um, he's just done such great work. He's probably the best West Anderson uh, actor out there right now. Look, he, the thing about Ray Fiennes is that like you, you get the feeling that you you look at a film set, or you look at a cast, and there are a bunch of people who are like good actors, or you know they're 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 heartfelt performers, or they have a certain charisma. He shows up and he's like, hi, I'm a neurosurgeon. Get the fuck out of my operating room. <laughs> like, he literally is doing this at a higher level than anyone else. Like, Hail Caesar, you are completely right. His his PER in that movie is completely off the charts. He's in two scenes. They are probably the funniest scenes in the movie. Yeah. And they're funny with a technical precision that is almost incomprehensible, the way that he does it. And shouts to Alden Ehrenreich for holding his own and just becoming a great big shining star in that movie because he truly does but the fact that ray Fiennes can can just do this he can just show up and do that and have that sense of fun and by the way and still be in our hearts and minds despite having a run a wall-worthy run in 2007 where the most he was being talked about was in daily mail headlines like exclusive how i led ray Fiennes astray at thirty-five thousand feet or air stewardess, colon, secrets of my five-mile-high sex romp Look, with Ray Fiennes. But what you got to take The doctor take that, is in, is what I'm saying. The I, doctor you have is to in. examine the sample size there. We're talking about British mm-hmm. actors. We're talking about right. Jude the Babysitter Law and Hugh Los <laughs> Angeles Streets Law, Grant, okay? Like, these guys it's true. It's true. do their thing. And I, I'm not saying I approve or disapprove, but don't, don't, don't bring up 07 on Fiennes, man. Because clearly he Look, is, I, he's making up for it with quality IMDb work. I, I'm just looking at this IMDb now. I mean, this it, it's pretty much unstoppable. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're giving it to him for this year, but this is this is 
you don't want to say it's a career reward. Has it been a century of fines? I mean, it, In Bruges was 08, man. So In Bruges was kind of coming off that mile-high sex romp. So, and we're not even talking Harry Potter. I don't even know your name, Harry Potter. Like, I've never even seen one of those movies. I just All I know is I think he doesn't even have a nose in those movies, and he's still good. So, look, I mean, I'm with you. I'm a thousand percent with you, and we're not going to talk about Made in Manhattan. We're just not going to talk about it. Hey, Andy, let's just take a quick break before we get to the next person on the wall to hear from our sponsors. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick second to talk to you about Capital One. Capital One knows you've got questions about your credit. You may be asking, who's really in charge of my credit score or how does my credit actually work? That's why Capital One created the CreditWise app. So you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. And it's free to everyone, Capital One customer or not. In fact, millions of CreditWise users have improved their score by 20 points or more, so download the app for free today. Availability depends on the presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA. Let's talk about uh, your one of our favorite shows of the year and its creator. Yeah. Uh, on my wall this year, I think it should be on everyone's wall, is Donald Glover. Um, Donald Glover created Atlanta. Can I get a kid's meal? I don't see no kids. Yeah, I, I don't have a kid with me. I'm going to eat it. Well, only a kid can order a kid's meal. That's not true. Atlanta, in my mind, I think your mind too, is the best TV show of 2016. It is a show that completely rejiggered my brain as to what was even possible on TV. It made me more excited and exhilarated and thrilled with the art form than just about anything else in a very, very, very long time. And considering the fact that he did this himself. I mean, we talked to Nick Grad, who's uh, president of original programming at FX, and on the podcast earlier in the year, and, and Nick told us that, like, Donald was basically like, I got this. Like, I don't want a writer's room. Rent me a house, and I'll have my friends be my writers, and we'll build a studio in it so we can record Paperboy tracks, and don't worry about it. I'm going to hire my guy, Hiro Murai, who directs music videos. He'll direct this. He's never done TV before, and we got this. This should have gone wrong in a million different ways, but instead he created something absolutely thrilling. And that's incredible. Then you add to the fact that he already had a perfectly fine career. I mean, this dude wrote for 30 Rock. This dude wrote Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. He's already a legend. He's on Community where he's very funny and he walked away from it because he wanted to to do something more artistic or more lasting or more his own. And that's a risky move, which is worthy of respect. But the fact that he made this show in this moment and then got cast as Lando Calrissian on top of it. And I mean, made this a, is not a And bad made a year. Funkadelic record. Yes. Now, I want everyone out there to understand all this praise I'm lavishing on Donald Glover, the writer, actor, performer. I am withholding it for Donald Glover, the musician. Yeah. You can't be great at everything, and I have never really been a fan of his rapping. <clears throat> Mike Peters wrote something matter. about this about him when Awaken My Love, the Childish Gambino record, came out earlier in December. And he I thought he set it up really well. And you know, it's easy to be it's easy to throw around superlatives, and especially when you have a polymath like Glover who's doing a bunch of different things and doesn't at least recently, I mean, I'm not like a big fan of early childish Gambino rap stuff, but at least recently just doesn't seem to be able to do anything wrong. But yeah. I think that what Micah got at was really cool is that it's it's not about like genius or the superlatives with Glover. It's like his bravery. He's just brave. He's just willing to try yeah. something else, often at the expense of what people would expect 
You, you, know, you know, like you would expect he's coming off community. He should just get his own NBC sitcom, right? He's written for 30 Rock. He, yeah. He's been on community. Just do the Donald Glover show and, and, and have that and be great at that. But no, he wants to try something else. And then it's like in the middle of this Atlanta run and getting cast as Lando. And you think, oh, this guy, the world's his oyster. What's he want to do now? He's going to make a 70s funk record that he premiered in Joshua Tree in a festival that he headlined or was the only act at and you couldn't bring your phone to? I mean, this is, I just, it's just been a really, really, really good year for Donald yeah, I, I, I just think it's important that, like, I, it's kind of almost more important to me that I don't like something that he does, but it's pretty cool that he's doing it, you know? I, I think that, that's, that spirit that he's taking the chances, taking the risks, and it does, and apparently not really caring where it all lands. And I don't mean that because he hasn't personally pleased me with his P-Funk album. I just mean that he's not worried about it. And however he got to this point where he's free like that, God bless him, because I'm excited to see what comes next. And even if I don't like it, I'm excited to see what comes after that. Um, my last wall uh, nominee, or my last wall inductee for this year, is uh, kind of an obvious one. It's not not a lot of controversy here, but I got to give it to Ryan Gosling. City of stars, are you shining just for me? City of stars, there's so much that I can't see. Wow. See, before you go any further, you know, you, Chris, you, you tipped me off as to your wall earlier, and I mentioned it to someone in passing. And this person said that. To, to her, Ryan Gosling is the R-S-T-L-N-N-E of this game. Like, <laughs> Ryan Gosling is already on the wall before we even unveiled it. Right. So I I'm, I'm just setting you up here. I want you to make the case as to why he gets one of these precious spots. Um, he's just is, my, is the most charming actor working right now. And I think next year and in some future projects that he has, like Blade Runner 2049, it's coming out next year, directed by our boy Denis Villeneuve. It's going to be, there are going to be some different performances. But this was the year that Ryan Gosling decided to do what DiCaprio has refused to do for like 25 years, which is just mm-hmm. blow people's minds with how friggin' charming he is. In Nice Guys, he plays this down on his luck, uh, you know, alcoholic private detective who is a single father living in the Hollywood Hills in the 70s in Los Angeles and teams up with Russell Crowe to find a missing girl. And it is. A very like it, narrative wise, the movie is like impossible to chart, and it and it, it has its problems or whatever. But if you just want like a cool hangout movie, I really don't know if there's a better movie this year to watch than that. Um, it, it's so funny, and Gosling is so amazing in it. And then in La La Land, he pretty much just like xed out my boy Miles Teller's career. Miles Teller was supposed <laughs> to play. Uh, the Sebastian character in La La Land, and for a variety of reasons, Gosling wound up doing it. And now it's kind of like, can you imagine being like, yeah, that was supposed to be me. I could have been a contender, <laughs> like, watching that. <laughs> Gosling sings and dances in that movie. It's funny, in both of those movies, they're both set in L.A., he at one point wears a Dodgers hat, and it does make me think that he should make, like, a Steve Sachs movie. Like, he, Ryan Gosling should just make, like, an <laughs> 80s Dodgers movie. I think that would be really good, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he's just, uh, he's doing really, I, I, I've just really always enjoyed him in anything he's in. Um, and it's very rare to find somebody who has such a universal approval rating. Like, I know people like Chris Pratt a lot, 
but like this is like if Chris Pratt wasn't in a movie with a bunch of green people, you know, like it's just, but, but it's also, and correct me if I'm wrong about this and I don't mean to cast any aspersions on, on Mr. Gosling in IRL, but I don't get the sense that he is this just completely charming, um, ready to play along, ready to sing and dance guy off camera, right? Like Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt all the time. I've met him. I've interviewed him. He's lovely. He's lovely on Instagram. He's lovely in movies. And, you know, and that's terrific. I really enjoy watching him. But I don't get the sense that Gosling is just, is that dude. So in a weird way, it's like... I don't like know. It he, seems like he has a pretty cool life and he seems like a chill guy. Oh, I'm sure he's got a great life and he's a chill guy. I don't mean to say he's an asshole. But I mean, he does seem to have this thing that just lights up when, he does, when he's in movies. And it's pretty amazing that he actually, you know, steers into that. Do you have a said, favorite Ryan Gosling performance? <sighs> I mean, I love uh, uh, Drive. Yeah. But do you know what's also you know what he's also amazing in is the truly awful movie Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. Like he, him it, he, and Emma Stone in that too. They're together in that too. They are both just like firecrackers in a sea of garbage. I mean it's such a bad movie. <laughs> and he's so wonderful in it. You just kind of want to watch the scene there's one long scene in that movie where I think they go on a date or something and that should have been its own movie or a great or a great short film. He's you always want to watch him. He, I'm with you. I, I wish we were being more more contentious here, but we we agree. This is and a he's got range. Like I, I mean, he's great in Place Beyond the Pines, um, and I, I really can't wait for him for for Blade Runner. It's one of like my most anticipated movies for next year. Uh, we should wrap up with your final one, Andy. Yeah. Like when you told me psyched. this, I was like, I I yeah. I called my dear friend Tim Cook, <laughs> and I said, <laughs> bro. The whatever the OS I just downloaded, it broke my phone because my my friend Andy, when he was nominating his guy his, his people for yeah. the wall this year, yeah. I think something got messed up in translation. Listen, but then when you listen. explained it to me, I was like, of course. Listen, let's be real here. Let's talk about this abstract concept of the wall. Let's just talk about what is greatness. And I feel like greatness isn't an obvious thing always. <laughs> greatness. Greatness is the ability to change and shape reality without people even realizing it's happening. And that is why the last spot, in my mind, the biggest spot, I'm not kidding, he was my first pick, we're just doing this last to be dramatic, is the god, Detective Ray from Law & Order, Benjamin Bratt. Now, Benjamin Bratt, you say, he's 52 years old, he's an Adonis, that's great, everyone loves him. Why are you picking him? And it's because this is the year everyone, I think, started to notice Benjamin Bratt hiding in plain sight as that dude. And there's only one word to sum up <laughs> what it means to be that dude. Hiding in plain and sight that word, as that dude. And that dude's name is Pangborn. Jonathan Pangborn. Who are you? Paralyzed from the mid-chest down, partial paralysis in both hands. I don't know you. I'm Stephen Strange. The neurosurgeon now, was. We talked a little bit about this when we reviewed Doctor Strange a couple weeks ago, but I don't think we did this justice. I think we need to talk about the fact that Doctor Strange begins with Benedict Cumberbatch and his hands hurt and Rachel McAdams is frustrated and she's buying him groceries and he's searching. He's searching for something mystical. And his physical aid is just like, listen, I did hear some crazy shit once. All right, answer me this. Have you ever known anyone with nerve damage this severe to do this and actually recover? One guy, yeah. Factory accident, broke his back. He came in three times a week, and then one day he stopped coming. 
thought he was dead. A few years later, he walked past me on the street. What? Yeah, walked. Bullshit. He's, he's like, there's a day laborer. He basically describes, <laughs> he basically describes some like, he, some, some like galoot. I'm picturing like an extra from the honeymooners. He's like, there's a dude who bends steel in the shipyard. Yeah, it's like, it's he like. He went on a quest. The, the thinking man's Dan Loria is up in there, you know? He's like, his name is Jonathan Pangborn. I'm like, God damn, that's a name and a half. Like, what's this going to be? Who's this, who is this character going to, what's he going to look like? What's he going to, what's he going to mean to Dr. Strange's journey? And where does Benedict go? Tibet? Eventually, yes, but not right away. First, he just goes uptown to a pickup basketball game where he runs into Benjamin fucking Bratt. And Benjamin Bratt's first line, and I'm paraphrasing here, is something like, Hold up, bro. <laughs> he tosses the ball away. And then Benedict Cumberbatch is like, you had a something-something nonsense in your spine. That's impossible. And he's just like, yeah, well, maybe I got better. And then he says something like, pass me the rock. Like he's constantly yelling over his shoulder to maintain his involvement in the game. By the way, he looks amazing. He's handsome and he's charismatic and he's only there for what is, what is the screen time? Four minutes? Oh, is that not, not even four minutes. Because most of that scene he's, is still cutaways to to cumberbatch <laughs> and and to the basketball game yeah because to, to the dudes be like pangborn you ready to get this and, and run whole, son hey, pangborn are you in or you out and my whole point about this is then dr strange goes to tibet and he becomes the sorcerer supreme and blah 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 and that's great and i'm like boy that was just a weird thing but what a cool paycheck for benjamin bratt to be like i'm benjamin bratt Marvel called and they want me to play a role in Doctor Strange. And I was like, bet, I'll just go put on my tearaway pants that I own anyway and just be ready. <laughs> and then the, here's the thing, though. He comes back in the post credit sequence. And then if you Google Pangborn, which I did because I was like, this has to be an, a deep homage. This has to be a tribute to some beloved cult Marvel character that figures. And there's an article that pops up. Is Pangborn in the Doctor Strange comics? Question mark. The character could be the key to future films. I I'm can't like, Holy believe shit. that. I mean, although it would make Chris, sense as to why Benjamin Bratt was doing this. Chris, I'm like, Benjamin Pangborn is an infinity stone. You know what I mean? Like, he is longevity because Benjamin Bratt looks like a Greek god. <laughs> the truth is, you read this, nah, he's not in the comics. Maybe the name, maybe, he's not at all. Maybe, maybe someone invented the name. Maybe Dan Harmon, who I just found out, joined the set of Doctor Strange for reshoots for gags and laughs, I guess. Maybe he came up with the name Pangborn. It has nothing to it, It's completely irrelevant. They just needed a little bit of... They needed a sprinkling of brat in this movie. Pangborn and sounds then, like man, something like Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd would say to each other. Pangborn! Like when they were yes. insulting each other With, in Knocked Up. No, it's it's the sound they make when they give each other pink eye. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's what Pangborn is. Benjamin uh, Bratt ends the year by being in the main cast of Lee Daniels' new show on Fox, Star. And here in Los Angeles, I'm sure you've seen it, there are posters for Star. And you know that Lee Daniels, you know, he's, he, he likes big, splashy things. He likes big images. And so there's a poster and it says Latifah. And there's one that says uh, Naomi Campbell. And there's one that says Tyrese. And you know there's one that says B. Brad. Pangborn. <laughs> and he plays a character named Jaleel. Like, this, this, he is a god. And I'm just so thrilled with him. Because we, you and I have spent this year, and you know, we'll probably spend a lot of next year and the year after that, talking about how formulaic and staid the Marvel movies are. But they will always, always be worth it to me when, when, they, can, when they can just pull Starlight from the sky like this and give us Pangborn. I want Pangborn. 
I want more. I can't think of a better way to end the year, Andy. As always, it has been a pleasure <laughs> podcasting with you. Uh, I can't wait to do it again next year. Until then, man. Happy New Year, Baranski! Thanks again to Capital One's CreditWise app for sponsoring us today. Capital One created the CreditWise app so that you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise offered by Capital One Bank USA.